I'm the host of Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies, also known as PWD Allies on the podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can check out uh, your favorite podcast on Spotify or any of your favorite apps uh, where it's available. Today, I have Jean Swanson joining me on the show. Uh, Jean is an anti-poverty activist. Uh, she was a former Vancouver City Councillor. She was also in, in, inducted into the Order of Canada. Um, Jean is, uh, is an awesome person to have on here, and I'm so delighted to have you on, Jean, um, because uh, you, uh, you stand uh, behind uh, holding the government accountable um, on so many angles on uh, homelessness. I mean, that's the key thing, and, and the poverty rates uh, for persons with disabilities and income assistance, etc. So I'm not I'm going to uh, move the mic over to you and we can talk. Well, more just, on be, just, be, just before I, like I should say, like uh, when you and I talked on the phone, Gene, you were saying that uh, you had never really uh, talked about uh, things from a disability perspective before necessarily. And so this is kind of a, your first chance to really dive deep into uh, with a, <laughs> with a disability lens to look at things from a disability lens. So that's, that's will be exciting to see how what your perspective on a few, on a few things is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about like raising raising the rates. I know um, it was, that was a huge campaign that Gene um, was uh, uh, really focused on at the time too. And uh, of course, as time goes on, it's like the time travel, <laughs> um, and that's what we're kind of in now. It's like it just continues on. It just never really was eradicated uh, poverty. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, over to you, Gene. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope, hope I'll learn stuff about the disability lens that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's uh, definitely, um, well, it's more of a, like a learning curve uh, when it comes to politicians to understand that poverty doesn't need to exist in uh, anywhere in, in British Columbia or anywhere in Canada, or actually anywhere in the world, really. Uh, um, it's, it's a policy choice. Um, and it affects people's lives in so many ways where they don't have the bare minimum to, uh, you know, to get by and having all the essentials uh, of poverty, uh, above poverty level. Um, and I guess a lot of people will say, well, what is poverty level? Uh, yeah. it's, it's the least amount that a person needs to get by. Uh, and of course, with people with disabilities, Gene, um, they have more extraordinary expenses uh, above you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, uh, able-bodied that, or, or maybe, you know, maybe not even the word able-bodied, but somebody who can't really relate to having a disability because it hasn't really affected their lives directly. Um, but of course, at any time in life, a person can get more disabilities and they will. I mean, it's just either they're 
going to be more visible or, uh, as, a, or as an impairment uh, that will uh, limit down their mobility uh, over time. Um, so holding like holding the uh, government to account on their obligation under the Canadian Charter Rights of Persons with Disabilities is so important to to have that fundamental um, place in, in set in place and uh, in, entrenched in there and having the rates tied so that people don't have to struggle uh, beyond means where they don't even have enough money to pay their their market rent. Yeah, uh, and that's where we'll we'll dive into that part about what's when, when we were when we were advertising your spot. Uh, Gene, uh, we, we put out a, a little little video and ended up, ended up being a bit of a mini podcast. <laughs> but oh, one yeah. of the, one of the things we talked about was uh, you know go, being able to go back in time uh, and see how things develop. Uh, like one of the uh, one of the things I would like to go back to is ninety three ninety four, mm. uh, Mike Harcourt. Because I don't know if you remember, Gene, uh, but in 93, 94, uh, it was during the news hour where Mike Harcourt stood up in front of a whole bunch of cameras during, during the news hour. And he said, um, everybody on welfare is cheats, varmints, and deadbeats. Do you remember that? Do you remember that he had that news conference and he, he stood up in front of the cameras and he said that everybody in, on welfare is cheats, varmints, and deadbeats? Yeah. And yeah, and I just wanted to get your uh, get your reflection on that because I don't know if you if you know my situation, Gene, but um, it kind of stems from from that because it was uh, very soon after he he made those remarks where they started to claw back pensions and things like that, where they they uh, they termed that pensions were uh, were unearned income. So right now, like. Um, for the last 10 years, my first wife passed away. And for the last 10 years, the provincial government has been clawing back my survivor's pension as, as unearned income. And that stems all the way back, that stems all the way back to, to Mike Harcourt. So I just wanted to get your your reflections on that time and, and what, what your opinions about that, uh, what what he said and and just everything kind of going forward from that. What what are your, what are your reflections on that? I'm trying I was working in end legislated poverty then. Okay. We were a provincial coalition trying to end legislated poverty. And I did we did notice that and we demanded a meeting with him to get him to tell him that he shouldn't say that and he was mm -hmm. being a jerk. And yeah. we got the meeting and he was anyway, he didn't really he wasn't really contrite to say the least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I subsequently wrote a book called uh, Poor Bashing the Politics of Exclusion. Right. And right. I yeah. talk a lot in that book about how the poor bashing that started around 1990 mm -hmm. was a precursor to a lot of the things that government policies that happened, like in the province, cutting back welfare cutting out rights for people on welfare, uh, getting cutting back on unemployment insurance, changing the name to employment insurance, um, cutting back on taxes for the rich. Um, it was a whole, uh, and free trade. Free trade was part of that because if we, it, free trade isn't really a great name for 
I think of it more as a corporate rights deal because it gives corporations the right to go to countries where they have low taxes, low environmental regulations, and low wages. And if corporations can go to where there's low wages, then people and and where there's very few social programs. Mm. So if you have a good social programs, then wages have to be higher to compete with them, right? So free trade kind of undermined all of that. And I, I go into it in quite a bit of detail in the, in the book, but yeah, yeah. it was, and that, that time of around the early nineties, there was a whole bunch of poor bashing happening. I remember there was a article in the sun about uh, Somali immigrants ripping off the welfare system. Mm. And when you read the article, there actually was no evidence that it happened. Right. So it's not only poor bashing, it was racism. Yeah. And there was an article, there was an article, articles in the province about uh, there was a welfare cheat line. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were encouraging people to call in on welfare cheats. And the whole thing was really hard on low income people. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was a site that was uh, up there for years. Uh, Jean, you might have um, never seen it. Where it would actually give you every single province, and it was basically it was basically back in the nineties, and it was every single province that would actually give you their what their mandate was of reducing down their caseloads of trying to, uh, and some of the words was exactly the same thing. They said welfare, welfare cheats of uh, we need to find ways of modernizing it so we can recoup that money because they felt that people were. Uh, were not legitimately eligible for welfare at the time, um, and they were milking the system, in other words, right? Um, and uh, it was up there for years, and all of a sudden, I, I was looking at it till some years ago now, and, and I couldn't find it. It said uh, the site was not no longer available. As, uh, there was an actual study that was done in that period. I think yeah. the province commissioned it, and it said... Um, Basically, it said, if you make it really hard for people to get welfare, like have a whole bunch of ridiculous rules and regulations, mm-hmm. then fewer people will be on welfare. Voila, mm-hmm. we cut yeah. down their expenses, yeah. right? But job, job done. Everyone's homeless. So Yeah, yeah. yeah and- well, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, that, that you say that you were heavily involved in uh, anti-poverty activism way back in the 90s. So it goes to show that, I mean, this has gone on for three decades and it's only gotten progressively worse, as you said, as you alluded to. And it's it's scary to me that we've had three decades. Think of all the governments, three decades worth of governments and they have yet to figure it out. I mean, I, if, I if, 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 that's, if that's not the, the definition of well, futility, futility, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I think you know? they have figured it out. They have figured out whose side they're on. And yeah, it's on well, our true. side. That's true. And so they're working for the side that they're on. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is build a huge alliance of people that are on our side, which mm-hmm. includes, you know, people with disabilities, people on welfare, low-income mm-hmm. people, working people. And mm-hmm. we have to try and get past their propaganda and get the things that we need, like better social programs, more nonprofit housing, higher wages, that kind of thing. I remember I when I was I didn't know. Sorry, sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I didn't know if you wanted to uh, fast forward to um, to the Gordon Campbell era because that was another 
that was another another big slash and burn era, era oh, right? yeah. where a lot of bad stuff happened, right? Because again, we we had this little mini podcast uh, again to advertise your your spot, uh, Gene. And this is these are the two premieres that we kind of keyed on. These are the two mm-hmm. key, key ones were were Mike Harcourt in ninety three ninety four, and then the next big one, the big bad baddie, <laughs> if we want to say say that was uh, was uh, Gordon Campbell. And so, so I, didn't, I didn't know if you wanted to dive into that. So Gordon Campbell was bad. He brought in a bunch of welfare regulations that really started homelessness. But at the same time, the feds did something that was really important and really bad. We used to have what was called the Canada Assistance Plan Act, which was a big, thick act, like a telephone book, um, that laid out how the federal government would compensate provinces for welfare and social services. And Mm. what it basically said was, if the provinces increased their spending on social services and on welfare, the feds would pay half of it. There was no limit, right? If the provinces want to increase it, the feds would pay half. Just one second here. Sure. I have to grab this. This is like show and tell. this clipping. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, wow. this is from 1996. I cut it out because my late oh. partner's picture is on it, but it's about the Canada Assistance Plan Act, and it's this is from the Vancouver Sun in 1996. And the author, the reporter, interviews Dick Splain, who he's he's died now, but he was the guy that wrote the Canada Assistance Plan Act. And he said, and and we, I was part of the National Anti-Poverty Organization then, and we had a fast. We had 300 people across the country fasting to protest the end of the Canada Assistance Plan Act. And what he said was, this guy that wrote it said, quote, I see homelessness, more poverty, a real danger that children will be neglected, and that we'll see an underclass develop like in the United States, which has made it such a dangerous country. At that time, I was with End Legislated Poverty, and we had a news conference underneath the Hastings Street Viaduct, because we said, this is where people are going to be living if we lose the Canada Assistance Plan Act. So Dick Splain was right. We're Mm -hmm. right. I take no pleasure in being able to say, I told you so. But so that was one thing that happened in the early 90s, along with Campbell. Another Mm -hmm. thing that happened is the feds stopped funding social housing. That's a a big one. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, In the seventies, they were funding like 30,000 units of social housing a year. Mm -hmm. Now it's down to about two or 3,000, right? And Mm -hmm. or it's, it's higher than that, but the ones that they're funding are, are expensive rentals. They're not for for poor people in the old days. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah there was the whole trend back there of massive budget cuts, massive uh, corporate handouts. There was a huge, there was this group called the Business Council on National Issues. It was very uh, um, embedded in the media, in academia, in big corporations, and they spewed out a whole bunch of propaganda about uh, evil poor people, how we had to get wages lower, how we had to cut social programs and all, how we had to cut the deficit. And yeah, that's where that was really bad. And that's what we're living with now. That's why we have so many people homeless on the street. And and Brent, you can talk about all the reassessments that were done under Gordon Campbell too. 
Yeah, definitely. For medical reassessments. It, yeah, and you know, and it stems back to exactly what what you mentioned too, Gene, is because homelessness is on the rise, and it's been uh, that way for decades and decades. Um, it's been pure neglect on government's behalf of keeping up with their their end of, you know, taking care of their citizens, right? Um, you know, but take care of the corporate uh, corporations, no problem. Um, but here's, you know, here's a little bit of study that I did now, uh, it kind of leads up to um, the Gordon Campbell era. Uh, you know, rates were 1989, it was, uh, it was uh, $275 for shelter. And then it got increased in February of 1992. It went to, um, it went to uh, $325. And then in April, 2007, it went up to uh, 375 and it stayed that way all the way until, well, just this year. And they finally increased it. Right. And when they increased it, it didn't go to, it didn't go to your support. It went, uh, you know, it went to your shelter only if though you had a permanent address. If you didn't have a permanent address or your rent didn't go up, you didn't get it. Or if you're in um, like subsidized housing, you didn't get it either. And I think it was a missed opportunity I think it was deliberately done that way, really, um, because it was the least expensive way of the government saying, look, look, look what we're doing, but we're not doing. Like it was people that needed the money because of inflation, as we know, going up. And again, a missed opportunity. And it just it suppresses down um, the, the rates, really. Um, and it, and it kind of leads up to the Gordon Campbell era, really. I was just going to interrupt you again there, Brent. Sorry, okay, uh, but no. but I I was just going to say like think about that for a moment. You were saying 1990 it was 275, right? You said 1990 275, and then and and then it was like uh, three decades later. So for 30 years it stayed, it stayed like it went up for it went went up a hundred dollars in 30 years, hundred dollars. Yeah. So basically three dollars I three dollars a year yeah uh, that's, yep. that's you guys, terrible that's terrible three dollars you know on average three dollars a year and why not compare it with this yeah. when, I went, when in 19 i think about 73 i was on welfare with my two kids mm -hmm. and we rented the bottom floor of a house and i saved a hundred dollars a month i was on welfare Wow. Oh, I can't wow. remember what the rent was or what the welfare rate was. And I mean, I was frugal, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it was possible to live on welfare in those days. Mm. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it shows you how the, um, the buying power has eroded away. I mean, huge. Um, and it's about no, there's no like rent control. There's no vacancy control. Um, you know, it goes up per year. I mean, uh, and yeah, I mean, granted, landlords will get a certain percentage every year uh, that it goes up. Um, but now there's been a lot of call uh, on um, on vacancy control, where if a tenant leaves a unit, now the landlord can jack up to unlimited, unlimited amount of whatever they want it to go to. Um, but when I moved into where I am now, the rent started at thirteen hundred and sixty-five. Now and then that went to thirteen eighty-five. Now it's at fourteen twelve seventy. So two percent. So now I think in well, if the government doesn't give it a rate increase next year, because they're going to say, well, we gave one hundred twenty-five dollars this year, mm -hmm. I'm guessing that they're not going to give nothing next year. They're going to say, 
oh, well, we, we, we gave money last year. Yeah. You know, so what, you know, you see the, the amount going up. So I, I wanted your, your take on, um, subsidized, um, subsidized housing within the market sector. I don't know if you know what I mean is, uh, like I was mentioning uh, before the, we launched the show, like 30% of your income, like I, I passed a resolution over to, um, the minister who's now in charge of the ministry of social development and poverty reduction, um, honorable Sheila Malcolmson. Um, I had given a suggestion an idea. And she thought it was brilliant. She said, that's a brilliant idea. Uh, you know, she said, I love it that when you think outside the box. And I said, well, why? I said, what the idea is, is that, as we know, you know, single mothers, single fathers, they, they get a rental assistance program. I call it rap. It's called rap, you know, not the rap, you know, the rap <laughs> music, <laughs> rap. And then they got the uh, seniors one that's uh, safers. It's a senior supplement. And it's all under the umbrella of BC housing, right? So my, my resolution was, extended over again under for PWD or income assistance, whatever they want to call it, some new fancy name, a title, but extend those to that program over to there. And you know, people can live in market housing. They don't have to live under traditionally under, you know, BC housing, like a nonprofit, right? They can still live in their own home. They don't have to move because seniors don't have to move or single mothers, single fathers. They can still live where they're living and they get to pay 30% of their income to their landlord. Um, which they still have their own money that they're going to pay the landlord. That's just a top up to it. And then they give it to the landlord. So what's your I, view on that? I would love to know just before Gene answers, I would love to know, and I've told you this before, what the exact percentage of uh, actual uh, subsidized housing is reserved for, or, or the people, people with disabilities. I'm wondering what, what percentage are actually, uh, in subsidized housing, like what percentage of PWD mm. are in subsidized housing? Because because I think it's like really low, like between maybe five so. five to seven percent is only reserved for for that, and it's it's like everybody else is like you know, <laughs> yeah, what whatever what whatever you can get kind of thing. It's mar market yeah. value, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know what that percentage is. Um, into uh, your landlord is only supposed to be able to raise your rent by two percent last year so if they yeah. raised it by more than that it was illegal and you should be able to challenge it at the rtb mm -hmm. the, the big problem with rent increases is that we don't have vacancy control which means that the landlord can raise the rents as much as they like when someone moves out right. it was a cmhc study that was released in february that showed that on average the difference in Vancouver between rents in occupied apartments and apartments that were for rent was $800 a month. Whoa. So that wow. basically means that on average, Vancouver landlords are raising rents $800 a month when somebody leaves. So yeah. if we had vacancy control, they wouldn't be able to do that. And that would help maintain thousands of units more, mm -hmm. more affordable in the city every year um yeah. in terms of your idea of wrap and safer mm -hmm. those two programs aren't very good even for the people oh. that they're intended for i know i know with safer for example which is the one for people who are seniors mm -hmm. the purpose of it is to bring your rent down to 30 percent of your income 
but the problem is that they have a limit on rent. So in Vancouver, the oh. limit depends on where you live. And in Vancouver, the limit is $803 a month if you're single. So they'll only bring your rent down to 30% if your rent is $803 a month or less. You oh. can, like I have a friend who is paying 1060 some. And she got safer, but it only brought brought. She was still paying like forty or fifty percent of her rent, of her income for rent because the safer yeah. limit is so low. So unless we can get the government to raise the limits on safer and wrap, those programs are virtually useless. <laughs> okay, because yeah, there's a threshold, I guess, and if they don't lift that threshold, then you're you're yeah. pretty well messed messed up. And yeah. what do you think about the uh, bank strategy about raising rates to to supposedly fix the housing crisis and things like that? Or you know, I thought it was interesting what Jim yeah. Stanford said that the yeah. uh, the whole amount of inflation could be accounted for by the amount of interest rates that the interest increase that the banks had set rather than by things like wage increases or uh, price increases, things mm -hmm. like that. So that was pretty interesting. I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's good that they haven't raised the rates and I think they should reduce them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, when I came up that resolution, um, you know, obviously there must be a, like a cap and if the government's not willing to lift that cap, then yes, it would actually cause probably more problems obviously than, than what, it is worth. I mean, those two programs extend over it and put PWD or people on welfare into another awkward situation. I mean, I'd say maybe just, just raise the rates instead. Right. And um, then people have that autonomy of deciding what they, what they want, where they want to live and have that freedom of the, I guess, you know, then it comes down to like a, like a basic income. Then. It was interesting what uh, during COVID, you know, when the feds came up with CERB, Oh yeah, so people that lost their jobs got an automatic two grand. A yeah, month. they got it just like that. Just it was kind of a recognition that that's what you need to live on, right? And if that's what a worker needs to live on, why shouldn't it be what other people need to live on? With I think probably it should be more for people with disabilities because they have extra costs. Yeah. yeah. When when that when that uh, formula with chemo uh, that was in uh, twenty twenty. Um, that was they used the um, the Lyco formula when it came up with that how they calculated that formula, and um, so there was a lot of chatter about people asking for uh, people with disabilities called DERB, disability emergency relief benefit, a, equivalent to what CERB was. And uh, when I we had a meeting, uh, uh, Jeff and um, Sonia and myself had a meeting with the minister um, just oh, a few months ago. And I brought it up when I had her on the show. Uh, we we mentioned about uh, about that uh, formula, same thing. And what came out with uh, Gene was is that they're gonna the government wants to go with the uh, market basket measure. They don't want to go with the lipo formula. They want to go with because it's cheaper, basket, which is cheaper, a cheaper <laughs> option of it. Not by a lot, like it's a little bit. It's a little bit cheaper, yeah. but you know per person. So you add it up over you know, millions and you know, people. Now that's going to be a lot of money that they're saving. Uh, but it goes to show that each year it should be at like least $24, $2,600 now from because it you know go up by $200 each year. Of course, then it needs to be tied to inflation. 
and there's that keyboard inflation again. Uh, so it's, uh, it, you know, it goes to show that it can be done. Uh, it's just the willpower, really. It's the political will. I mean, and the other part of that is that billionaires, we're getting more and more billionaires and the yeah. billionaires are having more and more billions. Like I just read that yeah. Jeff Madison yeah. has $15 billion. Yeah. Billionaires should be outlawed. How many billions do you really need? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and then you go into the store and then you look at some of the produce, it's all rotting. You know, I mean, it yeah. marked down at 50, you know, 50% off. Really? Like, <laughs> It is it it is purposeful oppression. I mean, we we talked about the, the the idea when they when they legislated the clawbacks, for example, back in uh, ninety three ninety four. I mean right. that that's a per it's legislated, right? It's 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 purposeful legislated oppression, <laughs> right? Um, and that's important to highlight that and. And I didn't know if you wanted to go because I kind of interrupted you, Brent. I didn't know if you wanted to go back to the um, the Campbell era era and talk about oh, the, yes. the medical reassessments or not uh, because it's oh, kind of yes. related to that too. But yeah, there was um, a good. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Neil, because um, kind of touching on that uh, clawbacks. So what I'll do is I'll rewind back temporary to '94. I think it was '93, '94 maximum, and then I'm going to jump to the Gordon Campbell era. So. Back to 94, uh, uh, Gene, uh, if you remember, um, back then the, the government, they were finding ways of finding ways of um, saving money, as we know. So people with disabilities at that time, and I didn't even know that, but at that time, I think it was 94, Neil could probably uh, correct me on the date on this, 93, 94-ish, there was pensions. People with disabilities had I think, pensions. I think it was a little bit before that, but uh, it was yeah. right around there, yeah. Right that time area I, I got on after that so yeah mm, me too <laughs> I missed, so i, so I missed I, the boat on that i missed the boat i on missed that, it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. know i remember i remember back then years ago um and I, they had all the workers and they say brent to apply for apply for everything that you can all these different subsidies i go my doctor won't fill out the forms i, I can't fill out something that you that you're not medically assessed uh what you qualify for all the different uh um like crohn's disease and um you know, uh, malnutrition and, and all these other things, like they have all these splashy headlines, nutritional supplements, all these things, but there is, they were attached to medical conditions to get those. And my doctor said, no, I, I can't do that. Like I can't just magically make, uh, make these things appear if you don't have them. And, and Brent, you don't want these conditions, right? I mean, as you get older, you know, people are going to develop them anyway, but you don't want them just to get a few extra dollars. I go, well, so the worker said, yeah, you know, out to lunch. He said, just raise the damn rates, he says already. That's what he said. He goes, that's where the problem is. And and he got it though, Gene. He he's nailed it. He says, just raise it. It's not hard. Um, it's not rocket science. So yeah, I guess, you know, I guess that's the part I want to mention is that it used to be pensions. They took it away uh magically, you know, magic unicorn, pink unicorn. The unicorn, yeah. Yeah. And so we fast forward to the Gordon Campbell era. So um, when they formed, when the they, that was that was two thousand two around that. Uh, around. Yeah, when the BC Liberals at the time, when it was BC oh. Liberals, now they're the BC United Party. Um, in two thousand one, they formed government, as we know, under the Gordon Campbell era. So when they formed it, they found the government wanted to find ways of cutting back, um, and we we discussed that in the show earlier. Um, so what they did was uh, the government 
said, okay, across ministry, cross ministry, we need to cut, cut, cut. Where can we find ways of cutting and getting more money? Obviously, they want more money for the big corporations, right? I mean, make more billionaires, I mean, and their corporate pals. Uh, I mean, why not, right? Um, however, on the backs of the disabled people. What they did was they went to the ministry and they found ways of uh, cutting back the resources of making disabled people to go to their family practitioner uh, and to be reassessed to see if they're still disabled uh, enough to be on their system. I was, unfortunately, I was one of the ones. Um, boy, yay, hey, Brett. Yeah, I was one of the ones who it, it put me through a lot of, uh, gave me a PTSD at the time, um, anxiety, um, you name it. Um, I went three months with no income, no income at all. Um, I was renting from a friend, um, which I had two weeks to go before I was going to be kicked out. I would have been homeless. Um, my mom at the time was in the transition of going into a home. So, uh, like, like, you know, the ministry said to me, well, you can move back to your mom. Uh, no, my mom's going into a home. Uh, what? Yeah, she's, we're putting her into a home, but I can't even get out there on the bus because I got no medical transportation now. I have no income. Um, I guess I can walk, but I mean, uh, it would take me probably at least, uh, you know, eight, nine hours to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had to go, they said, well, in order to get back on the system, I had to go back to my doctor to be reassessed. My doctor lost it. He literally blew up. He, he freaked. Uh, I, I was told to leave the office. They gave me $20 to go over to McDonald's next door to go and have lunch. I said, oh, please don't. Uh, I, I don't want to eat that stuff. Right. I mean, no, like, anyway, I don't even want to get into that part, but you know, you know what I mean? But they felt bad. Like I had no money. Um, I had like four cents in my bank account. Um, they even wanted to see that. They yeah, and see remember that. what? Remember when they used to always say, like, empty yeah. your pockets. They wanted like, to see how much change do you have. And so yeah. I said, "Well, here, look." I said, "So I had to go to the bank and get them to print it out four yeah. cents." And then the other account. And when's I, the last time you were incarcerated? Yeah, and the other <laughs> account was overdrawn. Like I mean, like I had two accounts, and so like they gave me twenty dollars. Uh, I had lunch. Um, so they said, well, uh, we'll, we'll come over there. My receptionist says, I'll come over there and let you know when the doctor is ready to see you. So she came in, waved her hand. And I said, well, can I, can I bring my root beer in into, yeah, that's fine. Just come on in. And he was yelling on the phone. He, uh, he had a yelling match with the government. He says, you want a lawsuit? No problem. Like I have my lawyers all set up. He says, I've already designated this guy. He, you know, his disability doesn't go away. He says, you, but you want, want me to go away? He said, I'm not going to go away. I'm a doctor. So next thing you know, I had two ladies showing up at my door, Jean, and uh, they were, they were so, so upset. They said, I, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Um, they retroacted back. They gave me back the money from the law, what I lost, like, you know, from what I lost in a sense uh, from their stupidity. Um, but it also caused me to be almost be homeless and they actually then then talked it up to I guess retroactive up, which yeah like yay I you know benefit of it so I had to, had to go buy food with it and they told me to go to a food bank in the meantime <laughs> you know um, the food bank wouldn't even give it to me because I need to show them that I need proof why why I'm there I needed to show a uh, my latest stub from the government so I couldn't even get food from the food bank like it was a, I was in a bad situation and. 
So that's the kind of the era that I went through. And um, and I, I just hope that the government realizes like the hard the hardship that they put people through of um, one simple little thing that they did. Yeah. And a whole ripple. It, ca- it causes rip, rip, ripple, ripple effects. It, it does. Know, basically for the last 30 years, there's been ripple effects since uh, what Harcourt did in 1993, 94, and what Campbell did, we're still experiencing the ripple effects of those two yeah. really bad decisions, right? Yeah, 30 years later, there's still ripple effects from that. You know, it's, it's like it's like learning, learning from their mistakes and going forward and saying, you know, let's not do this again, you know, mm-hmm. and, and let's let's listen to people with lived experience. Let's listen to uh, families, caregivers, uh, I mean, allies. They, they know everything that's going on around uh, mm-hmm. people. And uh, we, I know we can make a better society for everybody. It's the government, it's a political will. And um, some people say, oh, well, it's the stakeholders, it's the gatekeepers, it's, you know, it's telling the government what to do. But if that's the case, like they all need to get in line and say, how do we make things better for everybody? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been fun. on for about a half hour, Gene. I don't know how long you wanted to be on, Gene. I didn't want to keep you if you... Uh... A half hour is good for me, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah cause we've already been we've already been on for half hours. Do you want to go another half hour or...? No, no. Oh, okay. So okay. we just want, want to wrap up now then? Sure, we could. Okay. Uh, what, um, I guess to kind of conclude what I just mentioned, Gene, um, what's your take on that? Like, uh, where do you see things um, kind of going forward with uh, government policies, uh, I guess, to kind of con- to conclude uh, what we're what we're talking about here. So I think what you said at the beginning of this about policy choice, mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. is making a policy choice to keep people poor. It's making policy choice not to have enough housing. Uh, back in the nineties, it made a policy choice to b- basically bash people who were poor. Mm-hmm. Now that those choices are disguised in all kinds of language about inclusivity. Yeah. But the the result of it is the same, right? People don't have enough money to live on. And I think we're gonna, with Pierre Polyev coming on strong, I think we're, we're gonna have to try really hard not to have him in power. And then the other thing is try to build up a really, really strong coalition that can fight for the kind of economic, social, racial, and climate justice that we need to basically survive as a human species. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, it'll be a lot of hard work and involves, you know, reaching out to allies and like you telling your story so that everyone understands you know, what people are experiencing. I think that's a good part of it. Um, but it's going to be a lot of hard work. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a callus on my forehead from banging it against <laughs> the wall. Um, I hear you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it is. It's going to be a lot of hard work going forward. And, and that's why I, I got into advocacy. Because um, seeing all the changes that I, I saw that were happening that were affecting people's lives, Gene. And I, um, you know, and I, as so I, I got involved uh, um, with uh, Ellie Taylor back years ago. And I, I remember a meeting that we mentioned it. We, we said it was about raising the rates. It was a raise the rates campaign. 
And at the time, um, it was about increasing the rates to at least bump it up, right? And then, and then having goals, uh, having goals of achieving to get it up to a livable amount. Uh, and uh, I'm going to touch base with her again uh, and see where, where things are at. But uh, I know that this fall, we're going to be really ramping things, uh, getting things ramped up. And I'm not going to give away a lot of what the campaign, what we're working on, but uh, Jeff, uh, Sonia, and myself, and uh, some others, we're going to be ramping things up here really, uh, really strong. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of geared to raising the rates, uh, but we're, we're really putting a guideline on the government and getting them to, to commit to a guideline of getting things up. Um, no I, more I really, poor bashing, right? Yeah. I mean, I, to me, honestly, <laughs> I, I would like to see it not, I know. And I, I know Jeff, he, 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 if you're watching this, Jeff, I mean, it's, I, I hear you. I know like a lot of people are saying, well, it can't be at the poverty line. Like it's the starting point. We can get the rates up to at least like that level. We can work with it from that point on and we can get it, but tie it to inflation. Like it has to be tied and there's no, I'm going to make sure the government understands it. Like there's no option not to tie to inflation. That is the criteria. Um, so how do we get to that? Well, I get, I'm going to get a lot of ideas. I want people to network with us. We can get all these ideas um, I know end of the day, like long-term, uh, they, you know, there's a lot of call for basic income that's long-term, right. Um, but in the meantime, we need to, we need to get these rates across there, British there, Columbia and Canada. There oh. is a danger with basic income. Oh, okay. I'm totally in favor of people having more money, yeah. but there's a lot of really right-wing people that want a basic income. And the reason they want it is because they want it to be a top up to really low minimum wages so that corporations don't have to pay decent wages. Taxpayers would pay it, pay it through the basic income top up. So and the other reason they want it is because they're thinking if they keep it low, then they can combine all of the programs into one so that some people that are getting a higher income, like say me, I'm getting the old age pension that's about 1700 a month, mm -hmm. that I would be lower. They right. would take money for me to give to poor people instead of right. taking from Jimmy Pattison. So when you talk about a basic income, you have to have two things that you're talking about. One is that it has to go with ever increasing minimum wages, like bringing the minimum wage up to a living wage at the bare minimum. And the second is that it can't involve destroying existing social programs or making existing social programs worse, yeah. which is what some people who want the basic income want. So anyway, just throwing that. that that's a good point, actually, because yeah. I mean, that's my fight with the, that's been my fight with the um, clawback of the pensions because a I pension see. is a targeted you talk about targeted supports, right? A, a pension is a targeted wraparound support. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and like a child tax benefit, that's a targeted support. There's lots of targeted supports, right? Where, where they're zoning in and, th and those are important, right? And so that's been my beef is that, you know, we, if you claw back a pension, that's a targeted support that you're saying, we're going to invalidate that and claw that back. And I don't think that's right. You know, because yeah. Because you're basically saying, oh, well, for people with disability or if they're on welfare, we're just going to invalidate a targeted support. That doesn't matter, right? Yeah, so you make, it, you make a great point, Jim. Great point. There's a uh, there's a G like a there's like the basic thing. There's the, the uh, GLBI, the guaranteed. Like it's like a seniors one. But I, is it kind of like the same thing though, Gene? Like I'd be 
one is like a GLBI, guaranteed livable basic income. Then there's the basic income. Whatever the name is, you have to be sure that mm. it that along with it, minimum wages keep rising. Right. And existing programs don't get destroyed. Yeah, they don't get kind of clawed back in order because of that, or, or they get dismantled and then then you're worse off. You're in a they can off. say, oh, you don't need your old age pension of seventeen hundred a month mm -hmm. because you can get the guaranteed income of a thousand dollars a month. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Good yeah, point. Yeah. To, to kind of be, I guess they say, cautiously, very, very extremely cautiously optimistic when it comes to and, that. And if they want to leave, and if the people in power who are the ones that support corporations right now, if they're the ones that design it, it's going to be to help them, not to help us. So you yeah. have to be, you have to be aware of that. It's not just mm -hmm. a matter of saying what we want. It's a matter of changing the power structure so that the people in power mm -hmm. do what we want, actually do it, right? I appoint yeah. Jean. Yeah, I told to you. Totally. I need to take <laughs> off, you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's been well, nice talking to you. It was a great show. I've got another happening awesome. here. Yeah. Awesome talking with yeah. you. And I'd yeah. love to have you back on another day. We'll, uh, we'll have a more of a discussion for sure. In, in, okay. a, in a short segment, yeah. yeah. Okay, I got to take off yeah. here. Bye-bye. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thank thanks. you very much, Gene. Thanks for okay. coming by. Okay, bye.